the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. God will give you the strength to do what he wants you to do. Jesus said in John 15, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciple. Be his disciple. Be a Christ follower. Be salt and light in this fallen, broken, messed up, upside down world. We're not the ones who are upside down. We're the ones who are right side up. We need to help others find that way. That's why we're here, to point people to Jesus Christ, to point people to the answer of all their questions. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to today's edition of Grace to Live with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor at Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so happy that you've chosen to spend time with us on the program today. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith continues our walk through the Sermon on the Mount with his successful Kingdom Living teaching series. So if you have your Bibles... Please turn with us today to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. So what are you praying for? And he looked up and said to the, to the meanest of the two, I was praying for you. When he walked out of prison, not that long afterwards, and was, of course, brought from the Eastern Europe to the United States, he walked out of prison with that guard, and that guard walked out of that prison as a Christian. The salt did not lose its savor. The circumstances did not taint his conduct or his understanding because he trusted Christ. As Christians, there should be no deluded disciples among us. We should be salt. We should be salty. We should have a flavor to us that influences the culture around us. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. In those days, they didn't have street lights. They didn't have PG&E lighting the place up. And so when you travel from city to city, you did not want to be out after dark because it was like cave dark. You know, now I remember driving through the desert once and seeing Las Vegas off in the distance. As dark as it was in the desert, you could see Las Vegas. But in those days, you just didn't have that kind of light. People might leave a light on in their house so that when people got out in the middle of the night, they didn't hurt themselves. But when you were traveling in a caravan subject to robbers and attacks and things like that, the one thing that gave you hope was to see that city off in the distance and know if I can just get there, I'm going to be okay. That city wasn't hidden from you because it lit up the sky because it was the only light there was. That's a picture of Christians. That's a picture of who we are to be the light of the world. We are the ones with the answer. 
And all too often, we can't articulate it that well. But um, yeah, and so we are to be light in the world, just like Richard Wombrand was to that prison guard, just like that 80-something-year-old missionary and medical doctor was. Verse 15, nor do people put a light, put a light, put a light, nor, nor do people put a lamp, light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand that gives light to all who are in the house. Light exists to give light. So we hide our Christianity because we're embarrassed. We don't do ourselves or anyone any favors. An invisible Christian should be like Bigfoot, non-existent, a figment of people's overzealous imagination. There should be no such thing as an invisible Christian. So you, me, we, we have this mandate and mission from Christ that's given to us in the Sermon on the Mount. We see that in verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In the identical way that salt flavors food, we are to influence the culture around us. In the same way it get, light gives light to a room, we are to be lights not hidden in the culture around us. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that for the purpose of they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. See, our mission, we are to be signposts pointing to God. We're, like, we're supposed to be like a finger pointing to the moon, so to speak. We don't want them looking at the finger. We want them looking at the moon. That's why we exist. Our inside-out living, driven by inside-out transformation, must be something that they find compelling, conspicuous, unmistakable. And as we seek to glorify God, we try to tell others about Christ. We try to give them the eternity-changing, hope-giving, make-sense message of the gospel that you can't buy God's favor, that you can't earn God's favor, that you can't earn a seat in heaven, that would be human achievement. You depend on God to do for you what you can't and will not do for yourself. That's divine achievement. And so today as we get into the message, I just want to give you the upside to last week's message. If you want to change the world from the inside out, one soul at a time, there are two commitments that you're going to have to make in order to do that. You have to have two commitments settled in your mind and in your hearts. Because you want to do more than tell somebody with a sore shoulder, don't do that. You want, to tell some, you want to solve problems by just something a little bit more useful than passing laws. You want to see real change. So what are these two commitments? Commitment number one is this. Be light in this world. Be light in this world. You can be light in this world. You say, well, who am I? I'm a nobody. Yeah, Richard Wormbrand was a nobody. And I'll tell you what, he contributed to the fall of communism in Romania and he did amazing things. Where do we see this be light in the world? We see it in verse 14. You are the light of the world. It's a statement of fact. If you're not light, nobody else is because they're teaching the religion of human achievement. You are the light of, a world, of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. A real Christian, as opposed to a professing Christian, is unmistakable in their character and their conduct. They're different. And so he's saying, be what you are. Be a Christ follower. Be a follower of Jesus Christ. Not a follower of this political party or that political party. Not a follower of this group or that group, but a follower of Jesus Christ. We are to be a Christ follower first and everything else second. We're not to hide or conceal our faith or hide from our faith. We are to live it out in a humble, blessed are the poor in spirit, conspicuous way. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for doing what God asks us to do. And so we see this warning sort of in the next verse nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket don't hide don't hide who you are let God employ you for his kingdom purposes wherever you are whatever you do 
whether you work in a soup kitchen or a food distribution center, make sure people know who Christ is. Don't ignore or suppress the natural properties that God has put in. Be who you are. Let me tell you a story of three different men. And they say behind every good man is a good woman. That's true. I'm married up. I'm sure most of you or all of you did too. Arnie. Arnie, Peter, and Rick. Arnie had a profound influence on my life. He was the uh, head of what we would call U.S. Steel Europe. He was a Christian. And when he and his wife were newly married, and Arnie's gone to be with the Lord, and I think his wife has been promoted since. But years and years ago, they had a baby, Tommy. And in the old days, where they used to extract the baby with forceps, and I forget what country they were living in, when they went to extract the baby with forceps, they crushed his skull and broke his neck. And so they told him, look, somebody like you, you know, you just need to know this. We're going to be honest with you. This child will never be more than a modified animal of some kind. He won't know who you are. He won't know anything. And because his neck's broken, his body's not going to develop. His muscles are going to atrophy. And he's going to be dead in a year or two. And so don't waste your life. You and your wife, are, you're here, you know, you're put him in an institution. You have the ability financially to, take, to pay for this. They'll take care of it. But you do this because you got a career. So they, they got together and they made this pact. She would take care of Tommy the first 12 hours of the day, <clears throat> and he would take the second 12 hours. They would have a helper here and there, but basically, that's what would happen. When I met them at my church in Hilton Head, I couldn't figure out why they were never together, and I started to wonder about their marriage, because they were never together. Husband and wife were together. She'd play the keyboard sometimes, but then he wouldn't be there, and then I found out what was going on. 30-something years later, she was still taking the first 12 hours of the day, and he was still taking the second 12 hours of the day. So if she was going to be in church this Sunday, then he would be in church next Sunday. What could they possibly do for Christ? Well, as the head of U.S. Steel Europe, whatever it was called, CSI, I don't remember what it was called, he would have all kinds of dignitaries and celebrities. He would have to entertain customers. They always entertained in their home. And part of, the entertainment, part of that dinner would be to introduce their, them to his son, Tommy. Tommy developed to the mind of about a five-year-old. And as a five-year-old, mentally, he accepted Christ. He embraced Christ. And uh, they would bring people back, and Tommy would talk to them about heaven, H-E-B-E-N, which was heaven. He had impaired speech. And then they would have dinner. Through that, he was able to introduce, and most people don't remember this guy anymore, Pavarotti to the gospel. I mean, Arnie was a heavy, heavy hitter. He had royalty in. He had all kinds of people in. And although he wasn't a preacher or a theologian, and although he couldn't be as active in his church as he would have liked to have been, he was salt. He did not lose his property. He did not cast that child aside, and he raised that little boy. And when that boy was about 30, he died, and Arnie dropped dead about six months later. But that was not a life wasted. Peter was a different animal. He fought for the German army at the close of World War II near the Russian front at the age of 14 because that's the way the Nazis were doing it then. And later on, he was one of the first 150 German exchange students to the United States after the war. And he went to the University of New Hampshire, which we can't, nobody can, nobody's perfect. And, uh, and then he met his wife, and he got married, and he eventually became the head of the Eastman Kodak Company's European operation. He was a nice guy, but a pagan. He did not know God. He knew about God. And he really wasn't interested in religion, so he went about his life rising up to the ranks until he was in line to become the CEO of Kodak. But on the way up, he made the, the mistake of attending, I say that in quotation marks, a Billy Graham crusade, and he came to Christ. 
And so he began to write, and, and, and those, but this is before online stuff, right? I mean, before the internet. He would write in the company newspaper for Europe things about work life, like the tongue is like a fire. It's a small thing, and it can burn up a whole forest. And through the, his column in the Kodak newspaper, if you want to call it that, he evangelized the workforce. Now, in Europe, there is no separation between church and state. So one day, one of his human resource people came in and said, I just heard a rumor that you're putting Christian principles in this column you've been writing all these years. He goes, that's true, yeah. That's exactly what I'm doing. He goes, basically, whatever I'm reading in the Bible that day, kind of sort of my devotion goes into the... Well, you can't do that because that's just not what we're about. And although, and I don't quite... I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend trying this stunt at home. He said to her, I- I'm confused. Who do you work for? She goes, the, the Eastman Kodak Company. And who do you report to? She goes, I report to you. He said, that's right, you do. You stick to your job and I'll stick to mine. But if you have a problem, go ahead and call Rochester on the phone because I'm not going to stop doing this. Now, he wasn't rude to her, but he kind of, you know. But you know what? He did what he did. Then three or four heart attacks later, you know, he got a golden parachute and he left and retired and moved in the same neighborhood with Arnie, which Arnie was in. They both lived down the street from the church that I went to. Then there's Rich Magnoli. I met Rich when he was blowing the uh, parking lot at Putt-Putt Golf, miniature golf. He had headphones on. They they hadn't invented earbuds yet. Again, we're going back to the dark ages here, right, when I'm in my 30s. And uh, you had to see Rich. He was a nice guy. And then uh, I, I saw him another day at a strip mall blowing, blowing the parking lot. And then I actually met him at my church. I never knew who he was. And I just kind of passed by him at that point. And I was, I was a businessman. And I was at the men's prayer breakfast. And there's Rich Magnolia. And we started talking. And he said, what do you do? And I said, well, you know, I'm a director of operations for a large resort hotel here on Hilton Head Island. He goes, I was in the resort business. And I was like, yeah, I bet you are. Yeah, you know, blowing the little sidewalk and all that good stuff. He goes, yeah, I was a chef with Weston Hotels. And I was like, excuse me? He goes, yeah, the Weston Magnolia just up the island here. I was in the culinary stuff. So what happened? He goes, well, I became a Christian, and my job was killing me. And if you know anything, if any of you ever worked in the kitchen, a high-pressure, high-performance kitchen, it's bad. The language would make a sailor blush, you know, and the things that go on in there probably would still violate just about every employment law in existence or known to man or any that are going to be made up. And so he said, you know, it was getting in the way of my relationship with God, so I found something else to do. And I, I, let me just tell you right now, when you're a chef in a luxury r- resort hotel, it doesn't pay the same as blowing off sidewalks at Putt-Putt or the strip mall. And I was like, whoa. And as I got to know him, he would talk to anybody in that parking lot. And he, through him in that parking lot and that blower, he led people to Christ. Sometimes they'd stop and hear his story. Other times they wouldn't. Some people would blow him off because he looked like a nobody. The point of the matter is, this is what we're called to do. This is what we're called to do. We need not forget why we're here. We don't want to squander the gifts that given us. We don't want to waste our time or our lives. We need to be who we are. We need to be what we are, and that is salt and light. How do we do that? How do we avoid losing influence? Well, it's part of being who you are. It's kind of, it's about priority. If you're a, a landscape worker, you're not a landscape worker who's a Christian. You're a Christian who's a landscape worker because serving Christ is your priority. You work so that you can serve Christ. You don't live to work, you work to live. If you're a medical doctor, you're not a medical doctor who's a Christian. You're a a Christian who happens to be a medical doctor and it cannot get in the way of your relationship with Christ. If you're a first responder, if you're an EMT, a fireman, or a law enforcement officer, 
You're not a law enforcement officer or an EMT or a fireman who happens to be a Christian. You're a Christian who happens. This is what we have to keep in mind. We have to be light in this world, and we cannot let anything obscure that light. If we're an engineer, we're not an engineer who happens to be a Christian. We're a Christian who happens. We have to make Christ known where we are. We exist to bring glory to God. You never know what kind of impact you're going to have on people. I remember the first Christian I ever met in my life. He was like a Martian to me. I had been in this particular church, Wesley Monumental United Methodist Church in Savannah, Georgia, which was born out of the ministry of Whitfield and Wesley in Savannah. And I was 11 years old, and I went to Sunday school class, and for the very first time, the Sunday school teacher opened up a Bible. I was like, what is he doing with that thing? And Mr. Morgan was one of those guys who drew people to himself. And then I looked around the classroom, and I was like, you know, these are awfully big 11-year-old boys. You know why? Because there were 15, 16, 17, and 18-year-old boys, young men in that class. They saw something different in him, and they never graduated. I mean, they graduated high school and college, but they stayed in his class because there was something different about him. And he invested, he taught us or tried to teach us the Bible. And when I went to seventh grade, I met Mr. Callahan, who had a really giant impact on my life. Mr. Callahan, the next year, was the guy who tried to teach me that the Bible was a compendium of nice sayings and nice moral stories, but really wasn't true. And what we had to do was separate the fact from the fiction and live our lives accordingly. And that brought, took me to a, a, about a almost a 20 almost a 20 year hiatus from church because I was like well shoot I'm getting up early in the morning to read a book that isn't why am I here two different men same church two different impacts obviously one is a believer and one wasn't I understand that the apostle Paul was an excellent tent maker but that's not what he's known for is it and these two ladies who drove off this cliff in Cameroon and were killed instantly they each had careers in the past but what they're known for was making Christ known in the darkest and dangerous places in the world You see, a godly life gives a convincing testimony of the saving power of God, and that brings him glory. That's what we exist to do, to bring God glory and goods to other people. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, So whatever you eat, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Remember who you are. Remember why you're here. God built you, raised you up for such a time as this for a reason. And that is for us to use what we have. We're to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. We're not to worry about, are we good enough? No, we're not good enough. That's why salvation is a gift, totally undeserved. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to be a systematic theologian with a PhD in theology. You don't need a degree in evangelism or apologetics. You don't even have to have all the answers. You just have to know Christ and make him known. Take what you have in an obedience to Christ, use it for the glory of God and the good of others. Take the message to them as good ambassadors. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Be light in this world. That's the first commitment. You've got to commit to be light in this world. And the second commitment is this. Shine as brightly as you can and for the right reason. Shine brightly. Look at verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see, they may perceive your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Shine. That let your light shine is an imperative. It's a command. Where has Christ put you? That's your mission field. See beyond your so-called limitations and just be who you are. Shine. Shine brightly. Whether you're Arnie or Peter or Rich, whether you're Mr. Morgan or a plumber or a pastor, whatever you are, 
shine brightly. A city set on a hill must not be hidden because people who are in the dangerous dark need to find their way to that light and that safe place, which is in the arms of God. The world knows stuff is messed up. They know they don't have the answer. That's why people are so troubled and so disturbed. That's why they lack peace. The United States produces 5%, I think, of uh, the world's neurotics, you know. But we consume 95% of the drugs, of the psychoactive drugs for those neuroses. They know something's the matter. They can't find peace. They can't find safety unless you point them or show them the way. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be. Be visible. Don't hide your properties. Don't shutter your lenses. Don't be ashamed of what and who you are. Shine brightly. Be visible. Do not be ashamed. You've only got one life to live. And remember why you're here. You're not going to see an, a U-Haul behind a hearse. And you're not going to find an ATM in a cemetery. You want to lay up treasure in heaven. God will give you the strength to do what he wants you to do. Jesus said in John 15, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. Be his disciple. Be a Christ follower. Be salt and light in this fallen, broken, messed up, upside down world. We're not the ones who are upside down. We're the ones who are right side up. We need to help others find that way. That's why we're here, to point people to Jesus Christ, to point people to the answer of all their questions, to tell and explain to people they can't earn God's favor. But God offers it as a gift to anyone who receive it. God stands ready, willing to forgive anybody, no matter who they are, what they've done, where they came from, who their mother or father were, what nationality, what philosophy, it doesn't matter. When they turn to him and he offers that gift and they turn to him and receive it, they don't have to earn anything. They just receive the gift. God stands ready, willing, and able to forgive anyone of anything and extend the gift. But if people press the gift away, if they push it away, they find themselves disturbed, unnerved, unhappy, fulfilled, living upside down when they could be living right side up. The British pastor Martin Lloyd-Jones once said, the glory of the gospel is that when the church is absolutely different from the world, she invariably attracts it. It is then that the world is made to listen to her message, though it may hate that message at first. This is a wonderful summary of what we learned from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, particularly in Matthew 5, 13 through 16. When the world sees our right side up living and sees the peace that surpasses all human understanding, when they see a faith that isn't foolish but is determined, they're going to ask you, and they may hate the answer you give them, that Jesus Christ is the only way. Some will hate it, others will inquire, some will reject it, some will embrace it. But in the end... Be light and shine as brightly as you, remembering who you are, why you're here, wherever you are. So what do you do with this? I'm going into overtime here, so I'm going to wrap this up quickly. Here are four things you can do. Here are four steps you can take to live out your faith. Number one, take the abilities that God has given you and use them for his glory. Make Christ known through where you are and what you do. Number two, take the opportunities that God has given you and use them while you can. This life is short and eternity is long, and there are people passing away every day. There are people on the, on the edge, on the verge, on the brink. You may not get another chance. Seize the opportunity wherever you find it. Which brings us to number three. Take what you know and share it. Act on what you know. You may have only been a Christian for a month. Well, how did you get there? Tell them. You may have only been a Christian for a year. Tell them what you know. You may have only read one book of the Bible. What did you read? Number four. Last and not least, do not keep your relationship with Christ. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on its feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, 
but on a stand and it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, you let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. To do anything less than that is a tragedy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of Christ here, captured in his word in its entirety, Lord. Help us to be salt and light. Help us to be preservatives, to be antiseptics, Lord, in a dirty and dying world. Help us to be light to those who are lost, rescuers to those who are in danger of perishing into an eternity without mercy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org and also at jono at hillside.org. That's J-O-N-O at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you and thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.